Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, or late afternoon. Um, <clears throat> I'm already annoyed trying to do this broadcast, and maybe I should cancel it and do it another time, because somehow uh, my account with Blog Talk Radio and my Facebook account are somehow screwed up in a way that uh, is totally beyond my understanding. Uh, but I'll go ahead anyway and see if I can get this connected later uh, in some way, uh, and then maybe have to repeat it in some way too. Um, today I wanted to talk about the stories uh, that are involved on an individual and social level with terrorism. Now, uh, for those of you who follow my, my, my uh, shows, the stories we live by, um, I do believe it takes a certain kind of intellectual and emotional story to be able to uh, blow up innocent people, shoot them dead uh, where they can't defend themselves, to kill children uh, who are completely innocent, uh, at least in the eyes and minds of most of us, uh, and do these things believing that they are the most correct, morally right things that can be done. And part of the difficulty in understanding this is we say things, you know, it's that what I've talked about many times. Uh, somebody kills people innocently and blows themselves up in order to uh, go to heaven. We say they are a terrorist. Uh, and because they do this, uh, they are terrorists. So they do it and become terrorists, and then the word terrorist explains uh, why they do it. Blow somebody up, you're a terrorist. Why did you blow someone up? Because you're a terrorist. And this is nonsense because it doesn't explain anything. I try to explain things on a social and, and uh, individual level uh, using the metaphor uh, of a story. There are reasons for this to be done and reasons that these stories get shaped. And the current uh, group of terrorists that are creating most fear in the West and in this country uh, are uh, Muslim terrorists, individuals who happen to be Muslim. Um, again, I'm not going to go into, I've done this before in other shows, the history of terrorism, uh, go into the Middle Ages and the Thirty Years' War, in which occurred after uh, the break uh, with Catholicism by Protestantism and the terror that was launched by both sides on uh, countries and villages and people who were um, uh, in the wrong religion. The, the theme of those slaughters men, women, and children, no different than the slaughter that's going on now, although now the technology of killing is much better. Um, the ability for people to communicate their intentions. Uh, it doesn't have to be a, a priest or a minister from the pulpit who says, go get the heretics and kill them. Uh, round them up, burn them to death, slaughter them and their offspring it is somebody using a cell phone. But the story, I believe, is the same. And I want to explore some of the conditions that allow uh, or promote this kind of story. 
as I have said in a number of earlier shows, we are tribal animals. And if you analyze the way in which tribes are organized, and I'll go through that again, uh, they're organized by like groups who have similar, <clears throat> usually uh, the many similar bloodlines, uh, who speak the same language, uh, who look uh, with skin color and hair texture uh, in similar ways, uh, and who have banded together over years to stay alive. And the capacity and the need to stay alive uh, is a powerful, powerful uh, need. We can't stay alive by ourselves. We can't protect our children and feed them by ourselves. It's done with groups. When we look at the nature of these groups, uh, they can be very small, they can be very large, although below the certain number of people, uh, a band really doesn't have much chance of survival in the wild, dealing with animals, dealing with uh, nature's uh, uh, wrath when it occurs, uh, or other tribes that would like our waterhole, would like uh, uh, planting our field, or we are the king of that country or the leader of the country decides he would like to uh, have sex with the wife or the mistress or the woman, some woman in another tribe. I mean, just look at the, in Greek mythology. When we look at the, the texture of these groups and the way they are set up, <clears throat> the most admired are strong, virile warriors. Um, this hasn't changed in our culture. The most, some of the most highly paid, most admired individuals are sports figures. Uh, tall, strong, good-looking individuals, uh, although they're not terrorists. Uh, I'm going to explain in a little while why I think the story in our culture allows warriors uh, to uh, vanquish their foe but uh, while the crowd screams, but everybody goes home, has a beer, uh, gets up the next day, goes to work, or plays another game. Uh, it has been, in Freud's term, sublimated. It has been worked through to a completely different level than it is when it was in the Middle Ages or now. Uh, in much of the uh, Arab and Muslim world, uh, and some of the Muslim world. I mean, again, you've got to be very careful. There are 1 billion, 200 million Muslims, and while they all may share aspects of a similar story, uh, most of those, the countries that are Muslim and most of the people who are Muslims would never dream of uh, blowing up a child or themselves to go to heaven. It takes a special kind of set of circumstances and beliefs. So one of these uh, uh, aspects of the tribe is the powerful male leader and the warriors uh, that support him and follow his lead uh, and believe that his uh, knowledge, uh, his tactics, the way in which uh, the battles have to be fought and what has to be done um, is, is uh, theirs. <clears throat> so there's a generally a hierarchy uh, in which the best are closest to the top uh, and uh, represent the most loyal to the warrior chief, the warrior king, the head warrior. And the second uh, individual we talk about uh, are the women. And women represent 
a special problem for the warriors. They must be protected, but women are the source of their children and their offspring, and they therefore have to be guarded as to who they have sex with because, in general, the selfish genes that we all have make it unusual for a man to want to raise and provide for children that are not his own. The stronger the link between his genes and his offspring, the more genetic uh, uh, um, uh, sharing, the more likely a man, uh, an uncle, for example, would also take care of his brother's children. But uh, the virginity of women in the tribe is something that's guarded. Secondly, because women have to be taken care of when they are pregnant, uh, it makes them vulnerable to the masculine demands for obedience. And throughout history, the obedient woman was the good woman. Go back again into the Middle Ages. Most of the women who were burnt and tortured uh, by the church were not really witches. They were individuals who represented trouble for male authority. And where we see this domination, uh, it creates a tension between men and women. Uh, and I don't have to, anybody who's listening to this, uh, I don't have to describe all the tensions that exist between men and women in our culture. Uh, but the tension uh, in the world that today <clears throat> produces terrorism is a much greater tension. Because the world now sees... <clears throat> that women do not have to be docile, that they can go on their own, that they can earn a living on their own, uh, that they can have sex uh, and not get pregnant, uh, or they can choose to raise children that um, uh, are, are not anybody, any particular man, uh, but can be any man's child that is their own, and they create their own family. And from the point of view of strong tribalism, uh, this is a very upsetting and uh, uh, anger-producing and fear-producing uh, uh, event. In the world uh, of the Muslim, many Muslims, and I want to refer my listener to a book by Ayan Hirsi Ali, A-L-I, called Infidel. Um, she was raised uh, uh, initially uh, in one of the African countries uh, where a dictator, a strong man, ruled because prior to uh, the constitutions that uh, were developed in, in England and the democratic countries uh, culminating in the Constitution of the United States, um, didn't have elected leaders. It was the guy who could bash in more heads and was more feared who ran the tribe. And she came from, uh, I forget, one of the Cameroons? No, it was, uh, it'll come to me. But anyway, uh, then was moved by her father, who became a political enemy of the strong man in her country, uh, to Saudi Arabia, in which she describes the total domination of women by men. And this occurs in many parts of the Muslim world. When she was about five, she was strapped down to a table, 
and her clitoris and that of her sister, younger sister, was removed by a man with a large set of scissors and her labia sewn shut so that she would not bother a man with sexual desires. She would not demand of a man that he sexually satisfy her because she was no longer capable of that kind of sexual excitement. Uh, and I recommend infidel to everybody, uh, uh, especially those who want to understand, as I'm going to spend the rest of the show, talking about the repression of sexuality and the distortion in my moral, in my intellectual system that occurs when women are receptacles for a man's semen to produce a child and are not as fully human and as not as uh, uh, individually capable, seen as individually capable of making decisions and living their own life without the protection of a man. Uh, it would take another show, and maybe I'll do another show, really describing some of the characteristics of the society in which um, girls grow up in Saudi Arabia, uh, in parts of Africa, uh, where they're covered. We, we, we could see them in, in uh, our culture uh, when they have not been um, uh, also had their stories modified and changed by the kind of stories that dominate still and hopefully will continue to be dominate in the United States, created by... by uh, the political movements towards democracy, the rise of science, which says that anybody can be smart about the world in which they live, in which uh, God may tell us with the Ten Commandments the right way to live, but God no longer tells us what is, that we have modified the truth uh, of our view of the world with uh, Darwin, with Einstein, uh, with the scientific theories that say uh, that our origins are biological and and uh, these stories are very powerful in uh, reducing the power of another individual, very important in our story, the shaman, the cleric, the witch doctor, the individual who stands at the side of the powerful warrior and justifies the morality of a society built on men dominating women. Uh, it is God's will. It is Allah's will. Uh, <clears throat> this uh, now permeates the culture. This creates, again, a tension between men and women, a morality uh, that distorts, from my point of view, an equality between men and women that then permeates into sexual activity. But the particular problem, I believe, exists not just with the idea that the man has to be the warrior and dominant and that uh, uh, women have to be protected and that uh, the shaman, the cleric, the priest, the rabbi will inform us as to what right or wrong it's what aspects of our inner life are right or wrong, right? One of Freud's really great insights was the uh, recognition that if we have a sexual desire, it should be immoral to act upon it 
if 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 certain uh, uh, truths about our lives are to be uh, uh, accepted, that premarital sex, for example, uh, is not uh, permitted, or that once married, sex should be only between a husband and a wife. Now, you can agree or disagree with that morality, but what is left, according to Freud, alone is the desire to have sex before marriage or the desire to have sex uh, with another woman or another man after marriage. For Freud, there must be a morality, but the morality has to leave untouched and unrepressed the idea that my desires make me evil. And what she describes in the Muslim world in her book, Infidel, is the, is the unbearable tension created uh, when men become sexually aroused by a woman and then are able to blame the woman for the arousal. She is the tramp. She's the whore. She's the one who has dishonored her family. This creates a view of women who are the enemy. You can't be friends with someone when you have this fear of the woman. When we have a fear of someone or a fear of a class of people who become an enemy because they arouse in us totally unacceptable emotions, totally unacceptable feelings, they then not only have to be subjugated, they have to be severely punished. They have to be repressed as beings. So when you have a structure in which the shaman, the uh, imam, the priest, the rabbi, the witch doctor, whatever force talks about morality that says women are the temptress and you must be the strong warrior and you are weakened by the temptation. You must not have these desires. You must be raised completely separate from women. Uh, the, the, the boys who are growing up, who are at risk from become, for becoming terrorists, are in a situation in which they don't go to school with girls. They don't see girls. They don't hold a girl's hand during adolescence. In those situations, girls become a terrifying unknown and a danger to the warrior mentality, which in our culture and in most cultures says a warrior is never afraid. A warrior is never weak. In order to be a man, one must be fearless. One must be willing to kill one's enemies because one en one's enemies have now been defined as an enemy that is not human, but is monstrous and, and must be destroyed. So as I think about this more and more, the more that the terrorists in our uh, society, in our world now, ISIS and ISIL, uh, the more damage they do, has an intrapsychic piece that says, I must be strong and fearless at all times. Not even fearing of death. Add the story that you will get your sexual reward with 72 virgins after you blow yourself up 
and die a martyr's death, add the piece in which the morality of the story says, your death is what makes you holy, especially in the act of killing uh, apostates, killing your intellectual, your moral enemy, uh, your, your religious enemy, the ones who threaten you, um, and you have the, the potential for doing great harm and great damage to yourself and others. And I call this in my, in my note uh, when I set up my broadcast a, a damage that's pathological. Now, I don't mean it to be a medical pathology. I'm using that metaphorically because in my moral system, the ultimate immorality is to blow up and kill children in the name of your righteousness. I was watching on television uh, uh, today a show my wife watches, uh, The View, and you could see the anger and the fear uh, that's being generated uh, in our country by who's next, by the random terror being created uh, by uh, this kind of uh, masculine-dominated, warrior-dominated uh, moral justification and fear and hate and suppression of women that says, uh, I can't get close to the feelings that I have uh, uh, that are sexual or fearful or my wanting to be taken care of by a woman. The, the, um, and how do we defeat this? And our leaders, uh, uh, particularly those who think the way terrorists think, but are bound by other stories or, or whose ideas are somewhat ameliorated by other stories, and who are bound by the Constitution, and bound by uh, the complexity of action in our society, um, let's bomb them, let's destroy them, let's send in the army, all that it takes to destroy them. And the question that was raised on this show, and I hear it all the time, is how do you defeat an idea with an army? And the answer is simple. You defeat an idea with other ideas. Now, I don't know how you get into Saudi Arabia or some of these African countries uh, that have been dominated by strong men. Uh, and I mean strong men not because they're strong. Uh, in my view, these individuals are very weak men because they're frightened, they're terrified, and the one thing they can never admit is that they're terrified. You can't make a choice on your sexual uh, appetites if you don't know what they are. You can't question authority if it comes from God and you're constantly told this is written in stone and there is no way you can even think about that making different. Uh, you have to kill gays, especially if you're excited by gays. Uh, this young man who caused so much havoc in, in Orlando, uh, we now know looked on, on homosexual sites. Uh, I don't believe gays are made by the environment. I don't believe that this is a choice. I believe that there is a genetic piece, an evolutionary piece, in fact. Uh, we discover that among monkeys, among most mammals, there is a 10 to 15% chance uh, that the male or the female will choose to have sex with a, a, a like uh, gender, a like uh, uh, sexed individual. 
so that I believe that there is a certain genetic uh, predisposition that probably has an adaptation to it. We have never explored that idea because we're so damn afraid of it, particularly. But in our society, gays can be still beaten up, uh, but they've, we've come a long way as a society to say, A, they're human beings, uh, no matter who you sleep with, and that you are bound by the rights of the Constitution, and that we are all bound by the law that says we respect the Constitution, and we don't have to be gay, we don't have to act on our own gay impulses if we choose not to, um, if we have them, it, 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 but it's part of being a human being. I don't know how many men will be sexually attracted to other men. We know that during adolescence, it's very common for boys to uh, have some liaisons and some sexual activity with other boys, as long as it's kept really secret and everybody pretends afterwards it never happened. In England, uh, it is uh, okay for young men to have a sexual affair as long as it's discreet and nobody uh, knows about it, and it's forgotten about uh, as conveniently and strongly as possible at a point at which marriage or a heterosexuality is now expected. So when we study this, we find that there's nothing from a biological point of view that's particularly unusual, but where the uh, male god demands that the male warrior never have such feelings, then the gay that excites those feelings uh, is an enemy and needs to be destroyed, beaten up, stomped on. We are in danger in our society, and I don't believe the danger will ever come from terrorists who are Muslim. Oh, yes, they will create terror, and they will create fear. They will burn themselves out eventually, probably shorter time, than our politicians who milk this for all it's worth would tell us. Um, these, these things cause damage for a while, but most human beings don't want to live under the circumstances. They find it unbearable. And hence, what we have uh, is a, a, a political manipulation, as it almost always is, by a guy who has his own inadequacies uh, or guys and want to be strong and claim we all must be strong and we have to use only the military and we have to use force to stamp this out. How do you get into Saudi Arabia? Uh, you get in with all the ideas uh, and the communication devices that you can get to create doubt in the mind of people that what Allah wants is what this particular group of uh, religious uh, fanatics, and I will use the word fanatic here, uh, uh, would have you do. Uh, I will try to get this show on my Facebook. I'm really annoyed now that uh, this is not going to happen unless I find out how to do it. But I'm going to end my show. I don't see anybody calling in. Why would anybody even know that on a Thursday afternoon where I generally don't do shows? Surprise, surprise, I did it today. Uh, so let me see if I can find out how to get this show on my Facebook uh, because then it will really be more, more invisible than it would be otherwise. So take care. Goodbye. I'll leave another 60 seconds here before maybe somebody wants to call. No, okay. End the episode. End the episode. <laughs>